welcome to Passion Play Coffee. I'm your host, Peter Liu, and I'll be interviewing both young and grizzled entrepreneurs to teach you how to find your passion, play, enjoy, persevere in the game of business, and get rewarded for it. Today, I'm privileged and honored to be joined by someone with a decade of experience at MBM and another decade as a company. He's the founder of Ask and Share and ML Bose Memorial Health Foundation and the co-founder of AGR, AGR Health. This is someone who loves creating innovative product solutions and marketing them through global market. Ash Bose, welcome to the show. Let's talk about how you turned your passion to put the profit. All right, good morning. Awesome, awesome. Hey. Okay, so thank you so much for your time again today, Ash. And I'll just jump into the first question. All right. Um, as always, it's always about college. What did you study? Where did you study? And why? Well, uh, I started my first uh, undergraduate degree at Indian Institute of Technology in Kharagpur, uh, and I studied mechanical engineering. And uh, I'm uh, happy and proud that I was able to be there and learn. It's one of the best universities. And then I went to McGill University uh, to study master's in mechanical engineering. And then I went to the real world. And then um, in 2019, I went back to university. And this time it is Cornell University in Ithaca. And uh, I study um, at MHA Master of Health Administration. Awesome. So where, where did you find your passion for mechanical engineering? Right, for your undergraduate degree as a bachelor? And how did you discover perhaps that healthcare path, um, you know, going into Cornell? Yes. Well, my journey um, in education is not really uh, linear, in my opinion, you know. And uh, my passion for engineering came from the fact that even uh, from the very childhood, um, I was interested in playing with toys and mechanical things. And very briefly, I tell you that when I was probably five or six years old, my cousin who was a civil engineer, um, he gave me a toy called Meccano. Uh, and it was not, you know, very uh, probably expensive toy, but uh, that gives me a lot of creativity, you know, about how to assemble different parts and everything, right? And uh, he, 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 that toy really a uh, little bit inspired me and got into this engineering part. And primarily, my high school teacher, mathematics teacher, uh, Mr. Jatindralal Datte, um, he was very uh, interested that I go to IIT and study engineering because he thought that my uh, expertise or my interest and skill in mathematics would be very beneficial for that particular discipline. Wow, that is a crazy way to put it, because my physics teacher also really wanted me to uh, do uh, anything related to engineering, but I want to do business so bad, so I combined the two and tried to do, like, heck business. So somehow it worked out and still made him proud, but that's phenomenal to hear. So you seem like you definitely pursued that engineering path, especially out of college, and uh, skipping forward a few years, um, around, I believe, 2012, um, you were a resolution technical leader at IBM for the data storage products division, I believe. Um, and there you were helping out, you know, with tackling all some of the hardest problems um, that occurred when a client, you know, faced a massive outage, right? Um, and especially in those moments, I'm sure that 
um, it's incredibly important to keep a level head, especially when perhaps the client is freaking out that nothing is working um, or something is going wrong. So in those situations, you know, how do you maintain perhaps composure? Um, how do you problem solve um, under that type of pressure? Oh, that, that is really a very good question. And RTL, a resolution technical leader uh, in IBM is one of the uh, top, uh, I think, uh, not I think, I know it's, it's the top uh, technical position, right? Yeah. And I uh, did not really plan to be in that was not in my roadmap, but mm. there is also an interesting story about it yeah. that how um, I was working in IBM in Tucson, mm. uh, in Arizona, and uh, I uh, I like uh, Chinese food, and since I was single at the time, I used to find free food, mm. and I went to a, 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 a an event organized by Asian people mm. in IBM. And I signed up my name there when I joined there and it's some food. I came back after one week, I got an email in my inbox from one of the managers in uh, IBM China saying that uh, I must like China. Otherwise, why I joined this yeah. event for the Asian place, right. Asian people. And, and I say, well, I like Chinese food very much, but that's <laughs> all. <laughs> but but that is true and then uh, but anyway to make the story short uh, i had um I, I i was probably interested to learn about chinese culture and chinese history and so forth because my father was very interested in china wow um and then i um in that happened in 2006 in november mm -hmm. and 2007 um, in February, uh, I, I am in Shanghai, uh, wow. working for IBM China uh, wow. as a project manager. And subsequently, I became a resolution technical leader. That is an insane story. And especially since I was born in Shanghai, um, you know, and then, you know, exported to the U.S. when I was a kid, you know, but still going back to Shanghai every single year. Shanghai is just always a place that... Um, forever be my home no matter what um it feels extremely close to heart and uh always a privilege to go so i'm glad that you see the same beauty and joy in shanghai as well um interesting so you know especially as a leader right um you definitely have a lot of people under you who rely on your uh, you know um, advice and uh you know your level-headedness right throughout these situations so um perhaps what are some of your key leadership like tactics or uh you know skills that you try to implement to manage a team uh, well um to be you know to be fair um when i joined ibm um in 1999 uh, before that i had my my first computer company called communication software Inc. csi wow. which wow. i started almost when i graduated from college Mm -hmm. And um, and again, it, that was a business analytics company I started uh, from my home, uh, from my, I had a three bedroom house. And again, I was single, so I could use my, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I, and I did, I, I exploited my, my real estate uh, assets, you know, and I made a, a computer lab and I started uh, working for um, different housing authorities. Uh, to collect data on housing 
and submit them as a report to HUD, Housing and Urban Development, mm-hmm. and get um, get a fair market rent revised for different cities so that the Section 8 population in those cities get um, what is in a fair and justice uh, to them so that they do not get more or less than the fair market rent. And that became very uh, valuable service to different parts of the because uh, there was a lot of, um, not discrimination, but the actual rent in the market and the what uh, hard was published in their document was not exactly accurate, right? Mm. So anyway, to make the story short, um, I started my career uh, in uh, their uh, in my leadership role, but I, to be honest, I was not a very good leader when I started my company. Yeah. I was very young, I was arrogant, yeah. and I thought I know everything. And, um, and that was a good in a way that at least I had a chance to realize my weakness. And then when I joined IBM, one thing that I really learned in IBM is that how to uh, not manage people, but and I, I and one thing that I wanted to let you know that even though my technical you know my position is RTL, but I never thought anybody is under me. Mm-hmm. I always thought people are with me rather mm-hmm. than under me, and that way I could leverage everybody's uh, skill sets in order to solve a problem that our customer was facing at the time. Yeah, I love that answer. And that's what my teacher always tells me too when I'm a leader. It's to never micromanage and assign tasks. It's to inspire them in a direction with a vision of the solution, right? So you can motivate and move people towards that mission without being so nitpicky. And it also makes your team incredibly autonomous as well so that you don't have to worry about the smaller details and it's just slowly moving and building momentum like a train. So that absolutely makes a ton of sense to me. It speaks a lot um, about your experience as well. So I guess just to dive even a little bit deeper during your time there, or, um, you know, especially at IBM, perhaps, you know, just another broader question then, what were perhaps some of the lessons that you might've learned uh, the hard way, right? Um, Especially in such a position like that, um, just broadly speaking. Well, first of all, when I went to China, uh, in 2007, I did not speak uh, any Chinese word. <laughs> I, I was only new, even not Ni Hao, right? Yeah. Wow. And I was very candid. And I told my um, manager as well as the executives who interviewed me, I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I just want to be very clear that, you know, I do have some technical background, but I never said anywhere in my resume or anywhere that I have any relative in China or Mm-hmm. outside China in the, and I do not have any, you know, any girlfriend or any friend, <laughs> China, anything, right? <laughs> so, uh, and they knew, but the, the thing that I had is that I, I've been to uh, Montreal in Canada and I learned French there. So yeah. I, I have the passion for learning different languages and culture. That that mm-hmm. That is really true. So I went there, I, I learned language um, uh, very, uh, not quickly, but slowly. And so that, that is very important. The com- important thing is the communication um, with the people that you lead, right? And be fair and be open and, and, and also to respect, right? Yeah. And all this thing really, um, I had to really learn 
to be honest. I mean, right. it was not, uh, uh, you know, it was not given to me. But that is, I think, the part which was uh, challenging in the very beginning. But also, I think that is the part that um, it, it was kind of a process of growth of mm-hmm. an individual as a leader, right? Yeah. Uh, and I would like to uh, share that with everybody who had the dream to be a leader. Because uh, when I was at IBM, I, I interviewed a lot of people to hire them, you know. Most of them are very uh, in engineer, young engineers, young men, you know, between 25. And I asked them how they see themselves uh, in the five years. And 99% people say, oh, I like to be a manager, right? I mean, that, that is there. And probably they had no idea probably exactly, how, you know, what the management and rule is, but they had this dream of being a manager of a company. And and so I say, you know, I say, sure, you know, but explain to me why. And then they thought that they will, you know, talk about their dream. Their parents said that, you know, they want them to be manager. So they want to be manager, you know. So, uh, so I think that for me, the leadership skill, um, again, I'm very fortunate that IBM gave me the opportunity to learn and also to practice. And I, there are different models of leadership, uh, democratic or autocratic and all these things. But I want to the most important thing is that everybody will have to really find out what they're comfortable with, what style, what style of management. And then you, as a leader, you have to be open with your team and make them aware of that this is the way I like to work. Is that okay with that? So fine tune it in order to make the most effective and beneficial for the whole team. Absolutely, absolutely, that is very, very true. Um, it is playing to the team strengths, right, and then conveying the strengths, right, where your true values are, so the team aligned with it. So, absolutely. Um, just moving on, uh, I really want to talk about you know the companies that you founded, right? After um, specifically Asking Share, AGR Health, and ML Bose Memorial Health Foundation. So we'll start just with Asking Share for now. Um, and I know it's something related to product development, global marketing strategy, and uh, you know partnership programs. So what exactly is it? And um, what, what made you want to start that company? Yes. So Share um, is actually a, a brain uh, concept, a child from my, that I say CSI. Uh-huh. At CSI or Communication Software Inc., you know, I used a lot of collect. I did a lot of interview. And in those days, I was doing most all by telephone or field data, field data. And when uh, internet became very uh, popular, then naturally, uh, in, instead of doing telephone survey, I, I thought about uh, internet. In fact, uh, in 19, I believe, 94, uh, we, we mean CSI, did a first internet-based presidential survey in America. We are trying to predict, you know, internet, via internet, who will be the president, um, you know, Bill Clinton or, or, or Bush. And um, so so that, that was the reason AskanShare came. AskanShare is basically a platform for collecting data, consumer data, uh, and, and preference, and what they like and what they like. But good, the reason that I went into and what happened out of Ashkan Share is that, um, I came up with a model of called data database. And again, without being technical, it is a 
uh, th there is a patent that we find we filed and we finally got it. It is a model of um, using coupon in a consumer business, but instead of a coupon being fixed price, it will be uh, elastic price. So what it means basically in a in a very one sentence, when you go to a shop and they coupon for based on because you they would like you to come back and maybe that coupon value is to say 10%, so or say $1. Now, if you do not use that coupon yourself and you go to, you give it to another person, then the another person can go to use that coupon, but that coupon value may not be exactly $1 because he, is, he may like that food so much, maybe he would like to take only 50% or only 50 cents and still he will like it, right? Or that coupon, if he does not like that much more than you, maybe he like, so maybe he can get $2 if he gives this coupon to another um, vendor, another. So in other words, uh, Ask and Share really opened a new door for um, consumer-centric marketing, okay? How to use the economic incentives such as coupon and make that not a rigid pricing, but rather a elastic pricing based on the demand and supply. Wow, that is a crazy thing to consider, especially since I took uh, labor economics and the uh, happiness that people derive from certain you know, products is heavily variable, right? Depending on you know, just the utility that is provided to them and their income bracket and things along those lines. So I think that maximizes you know, just uh, waste as a whole. Um, for the world, right? Being having this flexible thing, and this technology, I'm sure, can be implemented for, you know, even things like you know, donating to a charity or like uh, buying another ticket, right, on normal prices, so it fits their, uh, you know, actual income. You know, I know taxes, right, does similar things. That's so, exactly yeah. yeah. So the say for example, um, a ticket price for uh, a show, a musical show for a specific mm -hmm. artist, right? Uh, instead of keeping that as a, uh, you know, for a front row, say uh, $100, uh, somebody can pay more. Uh, yeah. And if the seat is empty, then somebody can pay less, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's almost like a airline ticketing system. The exactly. why airline ticket is it, it's not a fixed price anymore, right? Exactly. 100% right. right. Okay. So same way, the menu of the restaurant, Right. Uh, mm -hmm. If you the net price, there should be a listing price which you can. The price should be a function of the person who is actually buying it, depending upon how much they want. That's very true, and it can even be continuous, right? And that's what blockchain technology does. Like, if you want a fraction of perhaps the product, then you can pay like specific fraction of the product, and then, like I said, eliminates the waste tremendously. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So I also want to touch a little bit more upon. Uh, the healthcare ventures that you're kind of creating right now, right? Uh, specifically, AGR Health and ML Bose. So with AGR Health, you are the co-founder and CEO and you're creating market strategies for P2P healthcare payment platform and, um, you know, related things. So what exactly is that? And how would you get that, you know, passion in healthcare? Well, um, I, I'll answer, but we, uh, before I do that, I wanted to share with you a very... Uh, uh, yeah. uh, a personal experience, right? The two things. 
Bueno, First of all, uh, when I was uh, in um, in Shanghai in IBM, uh, in the, during the weekend, I used to coach a lot of people, uh, students, and also some of them are ing working engineers about you know mentorship and uh, and training and in you know, entrepreneurship and all. And they ask about the success. What is success? You know how to get success. And based on my experience, I came up with a very simple equation. And again, because I'm an engineer, I think of equation, right? So I told them success is basically P plus E. E P as a call and E as an it. So P stands for passion and E stands for experience, right? Now, experience is something that you may not have it, but you can get it depending upon your needs. And I'm going to use that concept actually for my healthcare because how did I transition from I having storage, data storage, everything, and now uh, I came to um, healthcare, and and people are asking me, you know, how am I going to be successful if I don't have this, you know? So, but it can be achieved from many sources. But the passion is something that is very internal to an individual, right? In other words, if you don't have a passion for a specific subject or domain, then it will be very hard for you to be successful in that specific domain, right? And it is that I think it is the you know, individual's uh, really goal should be at an early stage in their career to find out exactly the um, and and they should be of course they can talk to their teacher and parents but I think our friends or somebody and they should be very open and you know open in the sense that like for example as I said my father wanted me to become physics teacher because in his mind that was the probably the best thing that I, I was very good in physics and I got very high score in high school and everything and I, I like engineering there's a lot of physics in engineering. But I really did not see myself as a as a teacher or a professor in a university doing things, right? Um, I, I wanted to create things. I, I really wanted to change. So that's, that's the first thing I wanted to share with you and your audience. And the second thing is that um, the transition to, uh, to healthcare, what I'm doing right now, was not something that I thought even, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago, right? And people say, well, you know, uh, that's not, that, what is, uh, that's not, you know, th that's not good. Or, you know, you should have a very, you know, plan and that according to. And then I would like to ask them that when um, Isaac Newton was in the high school or Isaac Newton was in a college, uh, if somebody would have asked them, ask him, hey, Isaac, what do you like to do? Oh, I want to uh, discover gravitational force. That is my, you know, law. I mean, you know, so you, you, you get the picture, right? So, so naturally, it has to be open that you, you, what you plan or what you intend to be in, in high school or college or even at the later stage of your life. Like, for example, I was, uh, you know, senior manager that does as a storage. Uh, I really see that I have to stay in storage in the rest of my life. And I could probably, you know, branch out or I can do. So I would like, really like to share that uh, experience or my opinion uh, with the you know, audience that one has to be 
flexible, right? Especially nowadays, because the technology is changing so much. Um, the way you start your career may not be the same. Way you... uh, very specifically, the reason that I started uh, ML Bose Foundation is because of my grandfather. ML Bose is my late grandfather, and he was, um, he came uh, he was born in Bangladesh nowadays, called Bangladesh. But in 1947, he had to migrate to India. So basically, uh, he became a refugee, right? And a refugee, and he lost everything. And our family lost everything. Uh, to make the story short, um, he came to India, then he survived, and he became a, and he was a, he got a teaching job, and he became a headmaster, and he dedicated his life. And when I was born and I was five, six years old, uh, I still remember him teaching in you know, a lot of, you know, kids, uh, you know, and that made a very deep impression in my mind. Now, the connection between him and the healthcare is that when I came back from China in 2015 to back to Arizona, and I saw the, the condition of these people who are trying to come from different parts of the world, but primarily from the south of the border, and they do not have any uh, health care or anything, that really kind of um, touch, you know, it, 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 you know it, it, America is a very big country, large country, uh, rich country, whatever, you know, there are a lot of different adjectives you can put before America, right? And still, you know, people are having such a you know, tough time. Uh, and so I decided that um, I will try to help this kind of population, I call them uh, PWI. PWI stands for patients without insurance, right? Patients without insurance. And that was the, actually the, the seed for um, my interest in healthcare and particularly to the reason that I started um, the Evel Bose Memorial Health Foundation. And that started in 2019. And then when I was there and I got this idea about P2P healthcare payment and healthcare payment, that platform is actually, it is a, it is an algorithm. It is a technology. It's an algorithm by which a traditional health insurance mechanism where a central insurance company collects millions of population and then they decide how to allocate that fund can be substituted by a peer-to-peer -peer payment system. In other words, it is a more democratic, if you may call it, method of distribution of the allocation of the resource, right? And I'm going to stop here and I'm going to, because I think it's <laughs> a lot of information. Yeah, it is a lot of information. and. Um... I'll first uh, talk a little bit about like some of the things you said about the formula for success and then, you know, what success is. And then I'll kind of go into um, the healthcare stuff. But I think one thing just to add to what you said about, you know, predicting the future, right? Sometimes, you know, especially like you said, since technology is changing so fast, not only is it impossible to predict, you know, it's unpredictable, but it's also unknowable. Like you physically cannot you know, understand AI, how it, that'll be in five years, right? Or how blockchain technology will be in five years, right? So not only are you not able to predict, but you physically cannot know, right? Um, so it's impossible to have these projections. For success. Um, in terms of the healthcare stuff, that is 
like I said, an amazing thing to um, consider, especially since, you know, you're absolutely right in that America's healthcare system um, definitely needs a tremendous amount of support. And, you know, comparatively to, you know, other foreign systems in Canada, the UK, um, it's not as, you know, open and not as, you know, um, free and available to everyone uh, and easily accessible. That's why Obamacare exists, things like that, right, to try to solve this problem. Um, and, you know, democratizing it, right, is a way, right, for those who are less fortunate to have access to the resources, right, for those who are more fortunate to give back to those who need it. So I'm, I'm just a little bit curious now about, like, kind of, like, um, the logistics of how AGR Health works and, um, you know, like, how do you distribute the funds? You know, are you building the technology yourself? Um, how did you start this project and start it, you know, build momentum for this? Well, so so this is the way I, I, I mentioned to you that going back to the equation, mm-hmm. um, success is equal to P plus E, right? I had a lot of passion in healthcare, but I did not have definitely enough experience. Yeah. So, you know, I decided, uh, it, it kind of, I got an email in LinkedIn that um, Cornell University is a Sloan, they are a Sloan in a program they are uh, inviting me to mm-hmm. join their uh, health administration program. Yeah. And that kind of, it was, you know, it was, it was not really planned. Then uh, I applied and I went back to school uh, to get the E, that experience, right? And when I was in, in school, then I met uh, some co-founders uh, and of HGR Health. And then uh, uh, I, when I had already my foundation, but I was trying to find out a more, um, you know, a organized way to do it. And that's the reason that AGR Health was started. And we, our AGR Health is basically the marketing arm of this, um, the solution that mm-hmm. we are developing in the foundation. So the foundation has, has been involved in myself, um, working on this technology development, refinement, and, and, doing this and uh, the idea is that the plan is that the foundation will license this technology to AGR Health or maybe even more other organizations right who are marketing in different country and different you know and that way uh, you will be able to uh, make this uh, available this technology to yeah. you know broader section so that is the relationship between um you know, the ML Boast Memorial Foundation and the AGR Health. Now, uh, the technology part is very uh, technical and I'm, I'm not going to go into details, but one thing I can tell you that because of my background in engineering, it helped me a lot to write a patent, a patent. And I'm very proud, actually. Um, the patent has been published in last December of 22. And now we are waiting for the response and hopefully we will get it, you know, the, the patent that will be granted. In that, is amazing. Yeah. that is amazing. And yeah, and as we're running low on time, I, I have a final question I do want to ask. And again, it's quite broad, but um, as a whole, you know, what is it, what is the kind of impact and the final legacy that you want to leave behind on this world? Right. Uh, what is, what do you want your name, you know, Ashbos to be associated with? Well, you know, uh, my only hope is that there'll be zero percent 
things who will not get the basic primary health care. Yeah. That's all. Okay. That, I mean, that, that is, I mean, I believe in number zero. That's very much. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Ash. With that, we really, really, really appreciate your time today and the tremendous amount of insights that you've provided to us. Um, and I'm sure you've inspired a ton of students to pursue a similar journey. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Peter. It is a pleasure. And again, I wish you all the best. Yes.